Hi everyone, welcome back to our third episode of the Dismantling Educators. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Regina. We still gotta, you know, work on that intro, figure out a good smooth one. Mm -hmm. We'll work on it, we'll work on it. Mm -hmm. Um, So today we're gonna talk about why we got into teaching. We are, is our back to school special. School starts on Monday. Yeah, it does. Are you ready? I am, but I mean, you know how I feel. I want to be in September already. I just want to teach. Yes. yes. How was your summer break? Um, It was pretty good. I think, like, we talked about it on the first episode. It definitely mm-hmm. came right on time. Mm-hmm. My cup was definitely very empty. Mm-hmm. Um, I was ready to, like, be able to get outside. So I feel a lot more, like, rested and prepared. Mm-hmm. What about you? Mm-hmm. It was good. Um think like a lot of teachers last year was just a particularly challenging year Mm -hmm. for a lot of educators for a lot of different reasons coming off of a virtual year so I definitely needed more time to decompress from the school year prior I usually do a lot more summer work but I intentionally chose not to this year which was good Um, but it's like you know summer is here and then you have like anxiety about coming back and the first day you come back it's like you never left and you're just like okay I'm here here we go but yeah, I'm excited for this school year. Definitely going to be different, um, but definitely excited. I always love the beginning of the school year time. Like August, September, October is usually a rough month, but it's always like exciting. Like when the kids come back and you get that nice little honeymoon period, it's after the honeymoon period where you're just like, ugh, a little rough. What, um, what are some goals that you have for this year? Um... One of them, especially as I'm like transitioning a little bit out of being like fresh, fresh meat, mm-hmm. is confidence just in like the different things that I know that I can do. And it's not even like the issue of like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I know I can do it, but it's just like exuding that and acting on that, I guess. And then um, maybe just like making sure that I stick with the things that I know I'm on. So I know mm-hmm. like for that honeymoon period it is yes. really easy to like have your routines and yes. like follow them and then you do get to October and it's like all right never mind so mm-hmm. just to try to like hang on to the like practices that I've set up at mm-hmm. the beginning of the year mm-hmm. with myself and with students mm-hmm. yeah I remember I had a teacher that I was coaching once and they always like started to fall not fall off in the middle of the year but they got a little bit more loose with things in their classroom I was like I need beginning of year teacher all year long but that's hard it's hard to have that uh energy all year long but those are good goals I'm gonna keep that in my brain eventually I'll write them down as your instructional coach so right. we can check in on them no, yeah, definitely. um but go ahead no <laughs> but today's episode is we're gonna talk about why we got into teaching um you want to go first? You want me to go first? Um, I don't know. I don't know. You don't know why you got into teaching? I mean, I do know why I got into teaching. I just don't know who should go first. I was going to say, like, my story might be longer just because I feel like I'm a longer-winded person. That's fine. Why don't you, you know what? You go ahead. Um, I don't know. I feel like I've always, I kind of, like, came out wanting to be a teacher. Um, I was definitely that kid. My grandma had to go up to the elementary school, basically tell me, like, chill out. Um, I vividly remember, which shout out her, I, like, stopped my kindergarten teacher in the middle of her lesson one day, and I was like, you're not doing it right. Like, <laughs> this is not this is not how you're supposed to do this. And, like, she was, like, real good about it, very graceful, um, and, like, 
you know, we had we had no beef at the time about it, but um, oh, not as a kindergarten. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, some people are crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I feel like I've kind of it's always been something that's like been in the back of my mind, and mm -hmm. so like. Once I like fast forward and I got to like middle and high school, I kind of started to set my sights on other things just because like people always told me about how like you don't get paid a lot when you're a teacher and yeah. you know it's kind of like a waste of money and time because you yeah. go to college and you pay all this money and then mm -hmm. you know you're restricted to this like type of salary and work day blah mm -hmm. blah blah. Um, and then my freshman year of college, I double majored and then I had a minor. So my double major was everybody hold it yeah, everybody hold your coffee. <laughs> I was gonna be I had um biology education and athletic training as my okay. double major and biology. then my okay. right and then my minor was uh communications. Okay. And so I had gone back and forth about it because when I left high school I was like I'm gonna be a psychiatrist, I'm gonna be a psychologist, mm -hmm. I'm gonna be a news anchor but then, like, as I was dabbling in, like, TV stuff, a lot of racist things were happening to me. So I was like, okay, I don't want to do that. Um, like, it wasn't something that I felt connected to, like, fighting for. And that's kind of, I guess, I'm saying all that to say what led me to this was mm -hmm. just, like, once I got connected with specifically social studies education. Because even though I have an English license, I didn't even really necessarily feel that, like, connection to that. That the passion. way that right, that the way fire. that I feel like I will fight for this. Like yes. I will fight to be able to do this. Yes. And I really kinda had to, um, just with the way that like a lot of my undergrad stuff went. And so the thing that really put the like lasting fire in me was my undergrad experience and just understanding that like you like I need to do this. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like I'm I'm the only person in this room that looks like me. I'm the only person in this room that looks like some of the students that like we're learning about teaching and it's obvious that like not only is this voice needed um but like i just need to be seen for a lot of students and so like that was kind of the thing um that that pushed me to know that like okay this is just like this is what i'm doing um and this is what i'm gonna what i'm gonna settle on and yeah my story is actually like a lot, like you were a kid and you felt like you wanted to be a teacher. That was mm -hmm. never my story. Um, <laughs> never. I remember in high school, my, my mother uh, was a professor of nursing. So I remember my mom telling me, um, you're going to be a teacher. I remember this conversation um, vividly. And she was like, you're going to be a teacher. You should be a teacher. You would be good at it. And I was like, no. I don't want to deal with them kids. I don't have patience. Like, get them kids. It's not for me. Um, and I didn't. My I did not go to college to be uh, a teacher. And it's funny that I say that um, because my mom was a nursing professor, and I became a teacher, and my sister became a nurse. I always think that's a funny story. Shout out to my sister. She listens to our podcast. Uh, I love you so much. Anyways, uh, <laughs> so. She told me these things, I went to college, and in high school, I really loved history. And not just in high school, that was always my favorite subject. Any social studies subject was my favorite. Um, but I, what was really important to me, what really pushed me towards history is that my high school, they had picked um, one person from each high school to go to basically what is known as government camp. Okay, you can't get any nerdier than government camp, all right? So you went to a college campus the summer after your junior year, before your senior year, and um, you were put in a dorm, 
and when you're put in a dorm with people um, from all over the state, one person from each high school, basically it's like that week you learned how government works and you had to vote and like uh, petition and campaign and all that kind of stuff. Um, so right, it was then, I still didn't want to be a teacher, but it was then when I started noticing cultural shifts that I wasn't used to. Um, so it was like culture shock for me. And a lot of things, like I was 17 years old and I had no clue what like a 4-H club was, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so when that, I remember girls like, yeah, I'm this in my 4-H club. I was like, what is, what is a 4-H? Like I was the only person on my like little dorm that didn't know what a 4-H club was. Um, and then it was also this moment where people used to tell me I talked weird. And I was like, what, is, what does that mean? Like I ne And I never made that connection, but like this was the first time my brain started thinking about um, the world around me and how it operates and why it looks the way it does. So fast forward to me being in college, um, again, still had a love for history. My major was psychology. I minored in sociology. Um, and again, I took those classes because, or I majored that because I just really enjoyed that content. But you have to take a lot of history classes. So I worked a lot when I was in college and I took um, an intro to Latino studies course. And I was sitting in this class and learning things that I never learned about before when I was in high school. And I was, it made me like angry, right? And as a white person, a lot of people feel like white guilt. And it wasn't like guilt, it was just like, why is it, are these things not taught? Like, why do our schools look like this? Uh, you know, you know the high school I went to and it wasn't a very good school and I played sports. And I remember going to like other places like where you went to school and us being known as like the ghetto school, right? <laughs> like that's what they used to say. And, and I, was, I never understood why it was like that. So then I took this class and I, things just started to like make sense all of a sudden. Like it was kind of like one of those moments in my life where it's like a, a light bulb is just turning on and now I'm starting to make sense of like things that happened to me when I was at government camp and the things that they were saying to the history that was being taught in this class. So that was like really influential for me. So for me, uh, when I decided to become a teacher, it wasn't because I wanted to teach. It's because I wanted to write curriculum. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you want to do anything in education, um, and like if you want to write curriculum, or you want to be an education consultant, or you want to do this, you want to do that, you need to be in the classroom. You know, you have to understand how teaching and learning works firsthand, which is why when we have a lot of people make decisions for us as teachers, it's kind of frustrating. Uh, but I remember exactly where I was. I was driving, I was on the expressway, remember exactly what it was and actually there was a Michael Jackson song on the radio I remember this and I was like in my head I was like I'm going to be a teacher I was like and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna eventually write curriculum and that's what I wanted to do and now here we are going into my 12th year of education still teaching my one class not letting go um, and that's kind of like my story of how I got into teaching I feel like I can definitely connect with a lot of what you're saying. Mm -hmm. I think it's funny because I could see the differences in our brains that your brain was like, I want to write curriculum. And like, yeah. I definitely felt a lot of the same emotions when I took like my um, African-American studies and like my school allowed me to substitute that for like African civilizations, which like those things are not the same. No. Um, but like just having those experiences definitely made me feel like, okay, even even because there was for a while, 
people would like say things to me that made me feel like, okay, maybe I won't be a teacher because like I, I can't, yes. I had gotten to the point where like, I can't like force myself in a box. It's the same reason why I didn't want to be a news anchor. I don't yes. want anybody to tell me how to be myself mm-hmm. to like please other people. And at that point I was like, even if I have to open like an after school program or do something like somebody needs to talk to young people about all of this yes especially because you know you get to the point where like I'm sitting in college classes and like I had a professor which like it wasn't his intention I'm sure to like make anybody uncomfortable but like you're teaching about the Black Panthers and you're like oh this militant group you know what I'm saying which like what else are you supposed to believe because I'm sure that's what you learned and I'm sure that's what whoever taught this class before you learned and so it's just like this is where we're at so I could definitely connect with like the kind of feeling like why and it it's funny because they were all things that like in my heart like when I was learning about them traditionally in school I'm like something about this is not like I could definitely see why people would traditionally disengage with history because when you get it in a way that's not it doesn't speak to the the present condition of things you know what I'm saying It, it doesn't correlate doesn't connect I would probably disassociate with that too yes I, I agree with all of that. History definitely needs to be taught in a specific way um, towards challenging also and mm-hmm. being able to get students to critically think about why the world is the way around why the world is the way it is around them. But I also think about myself and, and something else that like per, like outside of those factors that got me into teaching is like I feel like I'm um, particularly skilled and talented. I guess you can say I wish I was like talented like, you know, Serena Williams and tennis, and I had that natural talent, but my natural talent is more like, uh, <laughs> you know, being able to um, synthesize, like synthesize really well. I'm able to get into a classroom and be like, okay, these kids get it, these kids don't, this is why, this is here, this is that. Uh, that's just a, like, a very natural talent for me that I think. So teaching is a hard job, but the actual concept of like being a teacher and being in front of kids came very uh, I think I said this before, like I never felt like I had a purpose in life until I became a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not in a kind of like savior kind of way. It was kind of, it, it teaching fills my cup. Yeah. Uh, even though a lot of times it also empties my cup, but it definitely fills my cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's funny that you also mentioned, this is kind of like what we wanted to get into next is how many people when you say, tell them like, oh, I want to be a teacher kind of try to get you out of being a teacher um, and how that can affect like you staying in education. So there's like a couple of things you mentioned, like obviously teachers don't get paid enough. That's a whole episode on its own, right? <laughs> we could talk about that later, but there's also, again, I, we talk about just disrespect in the profession. So what makes you think that you're gonna be like continuing like in this journey as an educator and as a teacher? Um, so one thing I feel like is just like, I guess, biology, like I can feel as I get older, my like emotions stabilizing to the point of like, okay, I understand that like the discomfort that I feel in this moment is not, this does not sum up the whole of teaching and like the intrinsic value of it is worth it. Um, I also know that like there's not really anything else you know what I'm saying that I that I would want to do like even when people ask me like okay well as you move up what do you want to do like just a different version of a teacher honestly like I'd really like to be a professor and then like just do that until I'm ready to retire so um, and then also just like 
the level of, of passion that I have. Like anytime that I see or hear or feel injustice, I just feel like I can link so much of that back to like missteps in education and yes. in the education system. Yes. And like, I can also connect with the fact that somebody, I read a tweet, I think last week, that basically said like, is it a teacher shortage or is it the result of a like purposeful, systemic, targeted attack on public education? And I think that like, when we look at the dynamics, you know what I'm saying? It's definitely more of a, a more of a targeted attack. And it's like, when you think about it that way, and when you're aware of it in that way, I think that it, for me, illuminates the urgency of it more. And not that I feel like I'm like a superhero or something, but I do feel like it's important, um, or even like necessarily a martyr, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I wouldn't even give myself that label, but yeah. I do feel like it is important for me to kind of persevere and be in this space for that purpose. Yeah. Um, because it's almost like every time that I do push through that, I can feel and see the benefits and the rewards of it. So like when the road decision happened and all the seniors from last year were like sending us messages about it, I'm like, okay, this is evidence of like what we did was important, even though this feels like a step backwards, these kids are pissed. And not only are they pissed, but like they're pissed and they're like motivated trying to figure out like, okay, what can they do about it? Yeah. So. Paths resistance. Yes. That's interesting that you say that because I, I'm obviously biased in this, but I truly think when we think about dismantling white supremacy culture, I truly believe that education is the answer, mm -hmm. right? Because when you're continuously told the same, when a generation of people are in a school and social and go to school, and the main purpose of school is socialize people, are constantly taught the same thing over and over, it just creates the same cycle, and then it happens again and again and again. So I do think education has always been the one of the, the most important answers to, to uh, fixing that. But it's interesting that that about that tweet because. I mean, educators are attacked. It is intentional. It is intentional. Even in the state of Illinois, they put out a number. There's over 5,000 empty teacher positions in schools in our state mm -hmm. starting this school year. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's one of those things where when you value something and you find it important and you make it a priority, you're going to do what it takes, yeah. right? So if you um, are trying to lose weight and you're paying somebody to do that, you're going to pay them what they're asking because this is what you want and you're going to spend your money intentionally on there, right? Mm -hmm. But our country does not intentionally spend its money on, on teachers or not even just that, funding schools or giving students what they need. Uh, so that's interesting that, uh, about that tweet because I didn't know about that and now it's making my brain go in a million different directions. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Uh, I think what keeps me in teaching is, uh, I would say intrinsically, I find it challenging and my day is different every day. Yeah. It's not the same thing every single day. Like the concepts are the same and like themes that, of what your day looks like are the same, but it truly is different. And I think what else keeps me in it is I value personal growth. And every year I grow, not just as an educator, but as a person and as a woman and as a friend. And I, I think that that's really important to me to continue that journey of growth. And that's, that's what teaching is going to do. It's going to force you to grow. It also forces me to get out of my comfort zone a lot. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot, especially like the role I'm in now, uh, I have to lead a team, right? And I have to make these decisions. And a lot of times I don't... I don't know if uncomfortable is the right word, but I have to lean into like 
you are the person to do this and you have to think of multiple perspectives. So it's, con it's constantly getting my brain going and thinking. Um, so that growth is just really important to me. And I mean, obviously, like, I love the kids. Like, the relationships with the kids are, I, I just love having them. Obviously, I talk to alumni all the time. I, and I think that also keeps me keeps me going too is, is those relationships are like when something yeah. happens we were just talking about a student that was <laughs> texting us today and last night about a situation they were dealing with or you know um, I, I had a student email me last week about how their work that they're doing in college now is like they feel like they're sitting back in my classroom and the stuff that I intentionally put in front of them is helping where they're at in life now so that's always really helpful and always keeps me going and just makes me better at what I do so I would definitely think that that's what keeps me there and I and also like people that are teachers or want to be teachers and, and they think about the money like the more you're into it the more money you're gonna make like it's going to come yeah you know like it really is like it's it's gonna be there I think you just really have to grind it out for a few years and, yeah. uh, and really be at the bottom of the totem pole and then once you get up there it's, it's a different it's a different story you know also summers off keeps me in teaching Yes, yes, no, <laughs> agree with that statement. And I want to add to what you said about relationships with students. Yeah. I just want to add the element of like high school. I know some people feel that way about middle school too, yeah. but high school specifically, I feel attached to because everybody acts like high schoolers and teenagers are like the spawns of Satan yes. in society. Yes. And I'm just kind of like, part of the reason probably why teenagers act the way they act sometimes is because they know you know what i'm saying they know that people kind of view them in a dehumanized yes. way so i guess like for me too that's a big pull to specifically being in this space yes like, i don't know if i could let anybody talk me into doing anything else at this point because i know like teenagers really need people to see them for who they are mm -hmm. in this weird adult but not adult kid but not kid space yeah. and then like humanize it for yeah. them yeah and i think that's really <laughs> that's funny that you say that be because it's funny how when you talk to other teachers and they're like elementary teachers and you're like oh i teach high school they're like oh my god i could not deal with those kids attitudes but then mm -hmm. i think about being an elementary teacher and it makes Absolutely. me sick to my stomach because yeah. i'm like i i couldn't you know deal with the tying of the shoes and the sick and the crying like I could not saying that high schoolers don't cry but like you know I think everybody's geared towards a specific absolutely age group and what they work best with like for example like we teach seniors I, I have taught middle school before I have taught freshmen I don't think I'll ever go back to teaching anything below a senior right mm -hmm. obviously my career goal is to be a professor one day too but it's just it's funny that you say that because kids are so perceptive mm -hmm. that's what people they forget know. like like I, I honestly like yes you're a kid but kids just have not had the experiences that we have had so it's not like you're a kid you don't know anything no they just haven't had the experience and that's okay mm -hmm. but kids are really perceptive yeah. they know what you're thinking they know what you're saying yeah and the, like I think that's also part of it too is when they are trying to understand teenagers and we all know teenage yes teenagers are quote-unquote hormonal and doing this but they're also like especially the teenagers now just be, I'm a millennial like they live in a very different world than I lived in yes like I didn't we did not have like social media like that if you wanted the Facebook you had to be in college like we did not have things like that in high school uh so it's just a different world that they live in now and I think they should be given more credit because yes. of the skills that they have at that age that that I haven't acquired until I was you know in my third I'm still acquiring that's just so natural and easy for them so just, you know, I think about that a lot too. 
when it comes to people that say things about teenagers, it's like they are a lot smarter and you need to give them a lot more credit mm. um, because it's, it's true yeah. as someone who works with them all day, like you. Oh. Like you. Um, so we're about to wrap it up. It's a short one today. Just a little background. Um, but our next episode, we're going to be talking about our identities and how that impacts you as a teacher. And we're going to have a very special guest with us, too, for this next one, um, one of my very best friends. But when you think about this, when you think about encompassing this question, how would you answer that? Um, it's funny because there's another teacher in the building that will like very frequently compliment like or tell me like oh like you're perfect for them like you know whatever and I feel like a lot of it is rooted in the fact that like I don't know as I've like hit my 20s I've started especially at this point like I've just started to accept that like I am who I am and whether that involves me like being a hot mess whether that involves <laughs> like whatever trauma I've experienced whether that involves you know what I'm saying the like other passions that I might have outside of teaching um, I think that all of those things come together in the classroom and I think that it is very much so kind of like a, 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 a Eurocentric kind of like white supremacist idea that like I have to be you know what I'm saying two different people I understand there's boundaries right between like what is probably appropriate for a certain space and what is not but I also understand that number one can, will students even receive what I'm trying to teach them if like they don't think that I'm real you know what I'm saying and then like number two I don't know how I could deliver content in a way that did not honor you know what I'm saying who I am and I yeah. think that that has impacted like what jobs I could you know what I'm saying take what content I could teach like I don't know I don't know if I could ever teach like AP world history class because that's literally it's your it's European history like let's just call it what it is because it like but, uh, almost AP US history is the same too and it's just like I don't I don't know if that's like we don't offer it here <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if I could like honor yeah. the requirements of like what students would need to know for yeah. that because of who I am and even like certain decisions that I make in the classroom I remember um, Somebody had stepped into my room last year uh, because my co-teacher was out that day. And just like one of the kids, he and I already have like a working relationship and I know like he just liked a lot of re attention, required it, whatever. And he was just like cussing up a storm. I don't know what he was doing on his laptop. But I was just kind of like, okay. I understand that like if I react to this and I like make a big scene out of it, that kind of gives you what you want and it's not effective for this situation. So I guess I say all that to say that like, I understand that me being myself and like open about who I am and what my experiences are allowed him to feel comfortable enough in that space that like he did that but then could come back and like apologize to me the whole class and like I didn't have to say anything to him you know what I'm saying yeah. I didn't have to redirect it but he recognized himself but I just remember the person that was like in their seven that day was looking at me like this lady is crazy like she's not gonna say nothing to him but it's just kind of like that's not me you know what I'm saying and I already know I already know what the situation is and they already know how I am so it's like okay when I'm not having a good day you're gonna give me my space and when you're not having a good day I'm gonna give you your space we're gonna communicate about it and then if somebody steps on somebody's toes like we'll come back and fix it afterwards but I don't know moral of the story I just know that like because of my identity there are a lot of a lot of things that I think 
I have to bring into teaching and there are a lot of things that like I can't bring into teaching yeah. if that makes sense it makes sense yes also what I heard a lot from you is something that um, I always ask my students at the end of the year what are three words you would use to describe me mm -hmm. uh, the answers are, are pretty funny sometimes like some of the answers are pretty funny but yes. the, one of the most common ones I get is just like an authentic and real person and that's what I'm hearing for you like I think in order to be an effective teacher, you need to be who you are an effective self, right? But also, like, our identities are complicated. And understanding who you are, it has to take a lot of reflection and a lot of under, and unpacking biases and how we are socialized to truly understand how our identities can impact kids in a positive way, but also in a negative way. Yeah. I think about, uh, do you remember last school year? I don't remember. We were, you and I were doing something, and I was modeling a lesson for you. And it was over, um, what was it over? It was over the mythology of black criminality. Oh, yeah. And do you remember <laughs> that this is the day we had a guest come into our oh, school? Yeah, yeah. Yes, and we were in your classroom, and I was teaching or, like, modeling this lesson for you. And she came in, and we were going in on, like, yes. um, uh, we were going in on, like, the beginning of uh, black, or the mythology of black criminality, specifically how, um, why can I not think of the movie? Birth of a Nation. Birth of a Nation, like, mm -hmm. started this in this narrative around um, uh, black men being aggressive and threatening towards white women and how it led to these historical things, right? I remember us talking about that, and I remember her coming in, and she was a white woman, and this was, like, my biases that I had to attack, and I remember me saying it, and I remember thinking in my head, like, what is she going to think <laughs> about what we are talking about right now? Because I was in, it, it was more of, like, a question mark like an intrigued because I always find that interesting she loved the lesson but needless to say those are like biases that I would have in myself like when people come in there what do they actually think about the things that we teach um I don't know why I thought about that when you were talking about somebody came into your room yes but I say all this to say I as an individual in my identity I understand what my biases are mm -hmm. and I think that this is what we're going to get into our next episode is like unpacking like how our biases impacts kids in the classroom right and how being like as an instructional coach how much intentional work we do around helping our teachers understand their identities mm -hmm. yeah next episode's gonna be fun mm -hmm. all right wait. well that's the end of the episode if you're a teacher we hope you have a beautiful school year yes bye everyone bye